Good afternoon. Welcome to the channel Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. We made it to a Friday and what a crazy week of trade it was. Whether we saw the ups and downs of this cattle market to finish out on a stronger note, but to look at the grain side of it and look at the global macros that really are affecting this trade and all that talk about Argentina with their weather and soybean crush numbers. We've got some more concrete information to take care of some of those early week rumors that we were talking about. Darren Fessler joins us. Darren, of course, is with Lakefront Futures, and I think we got to start out with these global macros. As you look at this overall grain trade, we've got some strong outside market influence this week. Oh, for sure, certain. Uh, yeah, and we look at this was coming into this week. We've seen a lot of weakness in the Chinese equity markets. We have a potential weather story, maybe brewing in Mato Grosso and the northern parts of Brazil. Southern Brazil looks good weather-wise. Into Argentina looks also pretty good. You had cattle on feed last Friday. Obviously, was not friendly. But that, does that bring a glimmer of hope here for the corn market when we start thinking about the feed and residual numbers? You had rumors out just yesterday. Maybe uh, there's going to be some stoppage of shipping in the in the corridor of in the Black Sea between Ukraine and Russia. That was negated and denied by the Ukrainian officials. So a lot of things going on here. We look at crude oil up about two percent here with Thursday's late Thursday. Sounds like maybe the U.S. maybe some bombing attacks in uh, in Syria. So we'll see. There's a lot of things going on here, not just. Uh, geopolitical, but geomacro. I think you, you, these markets are just trying to gravitate towards, you know, what is real, what is fake, and and, and trying to d- decipher what 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 the next move is really. So then, what is the next move? I mean, we're going to continue to see this macro demand hitting us as producers here in the states and trying to do our marketing plans. Yeah, I, I think for most producers sitting out here in, in tractors, and combines, getting field work done, finishing up on harvest, sometimes you just got to ignore the noise, right, and, and focus on what you can do best, control the risk, because uh, really at the end of the day, the demand picture for U.S. corn really hasn't changed. Over 50% of our business is coming from one one buyer, and that's Mexico. So we need a better demand picture you know, the, the start here pretty soon. Because uh, once we get more into the Brazilian production of their beans, and if there's not a huge weather issue and they're able to plant that safrina corn crop and we still have bad demand, uh, you know, that's just going to be a, a not not so rosy picture as we're heading into 24. Now, I do think there is some bright spots when it comes to the bean market. However, you still have a very tight, st- a tight stocks use ratio here. Yes, Argentina looks OK at the moment here. But when you're looking at Brazil, Argentina is only one third of the size of production than at Brazil. And you look at Mato Grosso, which is six times the size of Iowa, not getting a whole lot of precip you got to start wondering now, when you look at these 30- and 45-day forecasts, both on the Euro and the GFS models, they are showing significant dryness. Now, being below average for Mato Grosso is totally fine. They usually get 9, 10, 11 inches of rain in between December, January, and February. So if they're at 8 inches of rain, it's not going to hurt anything, right? But we don't want to see that prolonged if they're down here at 2 inches. Uh, the thing right now in Brazil that we got to watch with the meal market because the ADM CEO earlier this week on their conference call had said, hey, 
we believe, that they believe, that Argentina is going to be out of beans here to crush in November. Well, we're pretty much November right now. The thing with that is Brazil is their neighbor. They will get the Brazil Brazilian beans, but that's going to influence our trade. we got to watch the meal market closely because that has been and may continue to be a big driver here for the U.S. beans. So, so having said that, I mean, we have heard so many rumors, and then add to it, the weather concerns that are also being factored in for for parts of Brazil and Argentina, that just adds a lot of export opportunity hopes for the United States. It, it certainly does, and we we need to be moving bushels now uh, because once we when you start looking at the FOB export values and the, the future price curves for there, we become substantially less competitive into that GN February on time frame where Brazil and Argentina, if they do have the product the, the export, we are going to be at a significant disadvantage. And we already know the relationship between the U.S. and China, the U.S. and, and Brazil and China. So we need to be moving these products now. The other side of that is the U.S. market is obviously going much more to a domestic crush market than an export market. So we got to factor that in as well. The, again, there was more comments this week about maybe some more renewable bio plants coming online here within the next month and being fully operational. We need to get more of these up and going sooner the better to, to, to you know, kind of take the brunt of maybe some of our decrease in exports, you know, obviously versus our competitors in Brazil. So what are you seeing then um, as the the fact that this being, you talk about, I'll try to spit my words out here because my brain's moving too slow. Um, you talk about needing to get those those buys right now. What can we do or what has been done to try to entice more export opportunities for the United States? I guess is what I'm trying to say. Well, I, I think it. I think it's out of a lot of control of uh, of individuals' hands per se, and we got to leave it in the in the hands of Mother Nature. I, I really, we need to get this Mississippi River up and going. We need to get more water down this river. The least, you know, the basis in a lot of these areas has come come in a lot. Um, we were really bad, you know, last month into this month. It, we need more water levels in the Mississippi to, to maybe bring some of that that push uh, on you know basis at those certain ports down a little bit. We need if we can get better water flow, it's going to make at the end of the day we're going to be more competitive. Get uh, get that export business. So there is rain, heavy rain across you know forecast at least the next ten days across parts of Iowa and Illinois. So hopefully that does materialize. So. I do think at, at the end of the day, though, we're, we, it, it's still going to be in the back burner of traders' minds here. We cannot be 40 or $50 a metric ton higher. All right. Well, stick around, folks. More is coming up just around the corner. It's the Channel Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. Challenge. It's not something you shy from. It's a chance to up your game. Every day brings a new challenge. But with the Enhanced Channel Seed brand on your side, you can rise to it. With our top-performing seed, innovative digital tools, and expanded agronomic support, you can turn tomorrow's challenges into your next advantage. Your Enhanced Channel Seed brand. Let's rise to the challenge. Learn more at channel.com slash rise. Read and follow pesticide label directions, IRM, grain marketing, and other stewardship practices. Bell on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. As we continue our conversation this afternoon with Darren Fessler. Darren, of course, is with Lakefront Futures. So we're wrapping up with Harvest. What's the next marketing plan? What should we be thinking about as we talked in that whole front to have about the whole global macros and everything fitting in? What are some things that you want them to kind of focus in 
on the rest of 2023? I think we got to realize where we are from a demand picture, from a fundamental picture, from a, from a technical picture. And, you know, I think that at this moment here with, with the stocks use ratio where it is and where I, where I continue to hear where corn yields, and we'll start with corn, where corn yields across the country are probably going to come in at, I do think they're probably going to be above 170. And I think USDA is probably closer than they're they're not, right? So I think rallies at this moment, anything that are 20, 30, 40 cents need to be rewarded, especially if you get a push in basis. I do think after fall, it's going to be one of these things where the bend door is only going to be opened for cash flow. Other than that, it's going to be welded shut. I think this is a basis play. You've seen this basis play over the last couple of weeks where basis had strengthened. And I think that yet producers got what maybe they needed to get sold or merchandisers got what they needed to get bought. bought, And now you're seeing the pullback in the future. So watch the basis, watch the spreads, watch the futures, reward these rallies. I think the beans are going to give you probably maybe the best opportunity from a technical perspective, maybe a fundamental side as well. Uh, but again, I, I'm certainly in the camp. If you get 50, 70 cent rallies in beans from current levels, I do think those need to be rewarded as well. So, I mean, at the end of the day, it's we we got to be looking at not only what do we do with the remaining crop that we have and what, what crop you know we're just harvesting, but we can't ignore what's going on in 24 corn, 24 beans. Uh, we're already 25% sold on, on 24 corn, 10% on on 24 beans. So uh, we're going to keep, keep pushing strategies and keep thinking about next year as well, even, even a year out from now. All right, let's switch gears and go over to the livestock side. What a crazy week we had in this cattle. I mean, Monday, Tuesday, a down day, Wednesday up, down again yesterday, but it finishes on the stronger side for, for a Friday. Yeah, yeah, no, it, it, you know, basically look the last week here and the last couple weeks here, cattle has been very, very ugly. And I think that that has, you know, we've got to a point where there is a lot more issues, I think, starting to develop in the economy. Um, you look at real disposable income, uh, and, and you look at that decrease on a percentage basis. It's it's the largest percentage decline we've seen since the Great Depression. So the consumer is strapped here, and I think that has a lot of you know concern. I put it that way for the for the cattle market. Um, even though that uh, you know it, it seems as though to me we we went from having no cattle all of a sudden to having all this cattle. So some something, something seems a little bit off to me a little bit on that, but it is what it is. The mark we trade what the market gives us. So at the end of the day, we still like having hedges on via options here. Um, now cattle is is a completely different animal right now at the moment versus hogs. Hogs, knock on wood, have maybe have found a little bit of a bottom here. We've had this nice little structure higher here, higher highs, higher lows here, last consecutive days here. We did get above a a trend line resistance that we've been holding since the middle of September and above some key key resistance levels. So I like what I'm seeing on hogs. We'd like to see some fall through yet again this week. But again, I think it comes down to on the cattle side, what does the U.S. economy and what does the consumer uh, think, feel about their potential outlook ahead? Now, Michigan's consumer confidence out this morning came in pretty good, well above expectations. So maybe that could be a bright spot in at least today's trade here in the cattle. Well, and I find it interesting, too. I mean, we're a week from a week old now on this Catalan feed report, and I still have been seeing 
posts on social media about question of those heifer numbers because we hear heifer retention, but then we look at a big jump once again of heifers headed to the feedlots. Uh, that you, I think, you hit a nail on the head there. I mean, it, like I said, it, it felt though coming into that number last Friday, it felt like you know all of a sudden we had we where's all this cattle? We need the cattle. It's not there. To all of a sudden second highest on record. So I, I think something's off. Um, I, I think what's going to be kind of the maybe an inkling or maybe a clue about what maybe USDA thinks going forward is what do they do in the November. Was the report? Do they actually move the needle on that corn feed and residual number since they did publish a number that was quite quite bearish on cattle? I think that could be an inkling. If we do see, you know, they they're really revising that feed and residual number, you know, maybe they truly believe maybe the cattle are there. So that's what I'm looking at, at least from a cattle perspective, and even on corn side of things too, as we move forward. All right, lots of great stuff today. What's the best way for folks to get a hold of you? They can reach me at 312-858-3668, or they can always find me on X or Twitter at DDF Alpha. All right, that is today's channel final bell. Quick side note, you'll be able to catch comments from Darren and Mike Zuzlo on our weekend Nebraska Soybean Board weekly market roundup that'll be available for you on Saturday morning through our social media platforms. But as we always remind you, commodity futures and options do involve a substantial risk of loss, not suitable to all investors. And that's the channel final bell being brought to you by Channel Seed and your local Channel Seed professional on the Rural Radio Network.